0: They have a whole research-based publication on building relationships with multicultural people. And there are eight specific ways that we can learn about different cultures while also building relationships. Um, Just some important ones to include is making a conscious decision to do it. So I think that a lot of us, we just you know we're in our own worlds like everybody especially as americans it's kind of an individualistic culture so to be in our own worlds we become very ethnocentric and it takes a lot of intention to make that decision to build relationships with other people
1: hey there and welcome to the speechy side up podcast my name is Benita Litback, and i am so grateful you're here I'm an Asha certified speech language pathologist, author, and augmentative and alternative communication consultant who is obsessed with helping SLPs like you stop reinventing the wheel and connect with other SLPs in the trenches. Have you ever wondered how other SLPs seem to be doing it all with ease? Well, around here you'll get to hear firsthand how SLPs are really getting things done while keeping evidence based practice and self care in mind. Think of this as a coffee date with your SLP friends. Get ready to be challenged and encouraged while we learn together. Today, I'm joined by Melanie Evans, MSCCC SLP, a bilingual pediatric speech language pathologist licensed to practice in both Texas and Oklahoma. She is also the founder of Pediatric Speech Sister, whose mission is to assist other speech-language pathologists on their cultural competency journeys. Melanie dedicates her career to serving Black and Latinx populations and closing the academic achievement gap. Melanie, it's such an honor to have you today. Thank you so much for coming. Do you think that bio covers everything, or is there anything else you want to share before we discuss connecting with multicultural
0: groups, diverse populations, and having faith? Oh, well, thank you so much, Benita, first of all, for having me. That bio did cover pretty much everything, you know, especially just, I just also wanted to add with Pediatric Speech Sister, cultural competency is a journey, not a destination. So I'm on my journey too. And so a lot of what I do is just share what I know and what I'm learning along the way and what I've experienced. So, you know, I consider myself a cultural compatibility expert because that's pretty much been my passion. At the same time, I'm still learning too. So I'm just excited to grow with everyone.
1: Yeah, well, and we appreciate it. We definitely need more accounts like yours, more information out there, especially in our field. So it's such a valuable yeah. resource. And I'm excited to learn more today. So let's talk about ways to build relationships with multicultural groups.
0: Ooh, okay. So the reason why this topic came to me was because I was doing research for a presentation, cultural compatibility and speech pathology. And let me break down the compatibility part. So it's cultural competency and cultural humility put together. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not, it's not a word that I made up though. So, you know, a few speech pathologists have already kind of talked about it. So AC Goldberg is one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I'm like, what a concept. Let me actually do more research on that. And so pretty much to be cultural compatibility to practice that. It's like the process of learning and being. So the way I got to figuring out how we could build relationships with multicultural groups, that plays into the cultural humility piece. And so ultimately, the idea is by building relationships with multicultural groups, we learn from them, and then we can put it into our practice and be more competent and make more culturally competent decisions. So I wanted to just start with that. The ways to build relationships with multicultural groups that I found is actually by Marner Axner, and they have a whole research-based publication on building relationships with multicultural people. And there are eight specific ways that we can learn about different cultures while also building relationships. Just some important ones to include is making a conscious decision to do it. So I think that a lot of us, we just, you know, we're in our own worlds, like everybody, especially as Americans, it's kind of an individualistic culture. So to be in our own worlds, we become very ethnocentric and it takes a lot of intention to make that decision to build relationships with other people. It's really, for example, with myself, I'm learning even more how to build relationships with Latino people. And I don't come from the Latino culture. I grew up with people from Latin America. I'm from Tulsa. So we do have a lot of like Mexican immigrants coming up. So I've I've had some Latino friends in school, but when we think about Latino culture, it's very rich and very different from mine. There are similarities, of course, but different from mine. And so I have to make that conscious decision that I want to learn more, that I want to learn rather than kind of moving on autopilot through these relationships. So that's one thing when it comes to making a decision. It just takes a lot of intention. There's a second one, putting ourselves in situations where we'll meet people from other cultures. So this includes choosing particular settings, traveling, and even interacting with diverse speech pathologists at conventions. And Vanita, please feel free to stop me because there are eight. (laughs) These are great tips. Thank you. Thank you. And I
1: appreciate like the personal references as well. Just like letting people know, you know, what that actually looks like. So, and I love the suggestion of how it relates to the field of speech language pathology, like even at conferences. And I know more individuals are like hosting those type of small get togethers at the conferences mm-hmm. too. But that's really great. Yes. Have you been to those functions? I've been to the convention in maybe like five years. Oh yeah. So, and I, when I was there, I was like doing hosting a, or I had a booth, so I couldn't really leave it very much, mm-hmm. but I do want to go back. I had planned to go in 2020. So I guess it hasn't been five years, maybe four, but okay. I had planned to go in 2020 and then
0: COVID <laughs> okay. so happened, that happened. Canceled,
1: but I was looking forward to that one. Cause it was in California. We were talking about California. Right. It was in San Diego, right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I really wanted to go to that one too. I was really disappointed.
1: Yeah. No, but I hope to go again. Maybe this year, actually, Boston, right? Is it in Boston this year? Yes,
0: it's in Boston. I'll be there for sure. (laughs) Are you going to be there? I love the Boston speeches. I just keep thinking about the weather. We were just talking about the weather. Yeah. And so I know at that time of year, it's going to be very cold, but I shouldn't let that stop me from going. So I'll probably go. No. It
1: was there before Orlando. I think I had gone and had a booth in Boston. It wasn't too bad. You'll be okay. If they like snowed very lightly at
0: that time. Okay, okay. Yeah. You're coming from Florida, so I'll take your word for it. Yeah, exactly. definitely take your word for it.
1: You can take it for like two or three days. If it's over that, it's unbearable.
0: I I agree. So just shout out to everyone who deals with those weathers, but yeah. it's, it's, I'm not built for it. So you know, just again, we are in a very predominantly white field. And so I can just say, speaking as a Black woman, it can feel very isolating being in the field, especially when there's just such a small percentage of us. So I would just say that a lot of the challenges that I faced in just speaking to other BIPOC speech pathologists is how isolating it feels. And a lot of times just coming from this perspective, it's hard to feel that you know, our white colleagues are really understanding us or seeking to understand us. So this project or this list isn't just about that, but it plays a big part. And then even me as a Black woman, I could also do my part in learning more about other cultures as well, including white cultures, Asian cultures and everything. So that way we can all learn how to really learn from each other. And get along <laughs> pretty much so that's that's also a big part of this project. Awesome. And so you did two do we was there five more?
1: are we yeah, I know there's a so, lot
0: <laughs> yeah so I went on a tangent. So the third one I'll say is examining our biases about people from other cultures. We all have biases. Once we understand our biases, where they come from, we can drop our guard and better gauge the person's perspective. That is just one thing. Harvard actually has a project on that. So everyone can go look it up about you can take an implicit biases test. And that's really helpful just to kind of see where your biases are. Once you understand your biases, you can check yourself when you're interacting with people from other cultures. The fourth one is asking people about their cultures, customs, and their views. So just being sure to come from a good place with it, with a genuine curiosity to learn and even share about your culture's point of view. So we all come from culture and we should definitely hold space for each other to talk about that, especially when we're working with these multicultural populations. I've found that that's really been one of the key ways I've been able to connect and build relationships and really build trust. Cause that's also the idea that you want to build trust with the people you're working with. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Absolutely.
1: Yeah. And I, I love that you mentioned the implicit bias test. I think that that is a wonderful
0: resource. It's free to use too. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's
0: free. You can just Google Harvard implicit bias test and they have it there. And it's not even a long quiz. I think it's about 10 minutes. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to check that out. In undergrad, I had
1: to do like an honors thesis. That it was my undergrad was actually in psychology. So I chose the topic of implicit bias and just finding out like some of the research that was on it back then. What was this like 2011? It was interesting. And like being a mom to a two year old now, like it actually trickles down from then like from the parents and how they interact with people and the child seeing how they interact with people and Mm -hmm. it really starts a lot earlier than you think it does so Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I didn't know about this test at the time when I did like the honors thesis so I'll definitely check that out and use that refer to that from now on I appreciate you mentioning it
0: Yes, and I'd definitely like to learn more from you about that because yeah, you. I like to find the
1: original. I was like trying to find my, you know, when you'd keep changing computers, but I have yeah. it on
0: a drive somewhere. I'm sure. Yeah. No. Whenever you find it, please send it my way. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. yeah that, that's will. so cool. That's so cool yeah. that you got to do that. <laughs> so yeah. So asking people questions about their cultures, customs, and views, and that is does also kind of play into checking our biases and how we can check our biases, is because pretty much when we have a bias, when we stereotype people, it comes from an assumption rather than an understanding. So this is just a great way for us to understand. Another thing we can do is read about other people's cultures and histories. I'd say that this part, to me, is the most important because, again, we can often be very ethnocentric, living in our own ways of being. So I've just found that by being more empathetic, we can find more ways to relate to each other. Listening to people tell their stories, that is one of the best ways I think we can learn from people, just like how we read up on our favorite icons, we read different audio biographies, things like that. I think that's our way of receiving more about them. So listening to people tell their stories, we just learn so much from each other. And I remember listening to my Spanish teacher in Guatemala. And, you know, we were really, we were just talking. We had rapport. So she would tell me about her home life. And I would tell her about mine. But I just learned so much about Guatemalan culture just by talking to her and just by listening to her tell her stories. So that gave me more perspective, especially when I came back to the States and I got to speak with these different Latino families. I kind of just got to have a better idea of where they were coming from. Yeah,
1: so. totally like immersing yourself in it. And I don't know if you mentioned this, mm-hmm. since like, since we started the recording, but you want to share how long you got to be in Guatemala and what that, how that came
0: about? Yeah. So Guatemala, I got to be there for three months. I was living in Texas at the time and working in the schools. And then I got an opportunity to go to Guatemala, learn Spanish, and then come back to Tulsa, Oklahoma to work in a clinic in an outpatient clinic. So that has been a big transition for me. I'm currently going through the transition now. But yes, so that's how I was able to go to Guatemala. That was the best experience of my life, honestly. Learning Spanish and learning about other cultures, eating the comida tipica, like the typical food of Guatemala. Oh my gosh. Seeing all the nature. It's very different from Tulsa, of course, but also very different from the United States. So I think that that was a perspective that I actually needed. I felt a bit more fulfilled after I went and came back. Amazing that your employer like provided that opportunity for
1: you. And, you know, I'm glad that you were able to totally immerse yourself and just come back with like all of that experience
0: and knowledge. And I know you said you wanted to go back because it was just so wonderful. It was so wonderful, but I I recommend that for any, especially speeches, because we have the opportunity to be travel speech therapists. Yeah. That is one thing I've never been a travel speech therapist, but I'd recommend it. You get mm-hmm. to go to another culture, you get to learn about the other culture, and you can make money while you're doing it. You get paid to do it. So
1: I yeah. think like, can I bring my whole family with along along
0: with me? Right, and you can. <laughs> That's the thing, and you can bring the whole family if they're if they're oh. down for it, but. Yes, 10 out of 10 recommend that. So I was really able to listen to people tell their stories. So not even just people from Latin America. There are people from the Netherlands. So many people from the Netherlands were traveling. Yeah, out there. People from the Netherlands, people from Canada, people from London or from Europe. I just got a whole bunch of different perspectives. People who I wouldn't see on a day-to-day basis. So what Switzerland even, people from Switzerland, people from Korea... And the cool thing about that is there are actually a lot of Korean people who are working in Guatemala, a lot of Chinese people too. And so some of the people were on the same program as I was. They were going to the same school that I was. And I don't speak Korean and some of them did not speak English. So the only way that we could connect was through Spanish. So I thought that that was actually really cool. That is really cool. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But we were doing a lot of Google translate (laughs) because sometimes, you know, our Spanish accents were still getting perfected. So we also couldn't, you know, that took a lot of, a lot of work, but it was a great way to build a relationship.
1: Yeah. That's amazing. Like you wouldn't think, you know, that that would be the way that you would connect. Like typically like, you know, I hate saying this, but English is like the one where most people around the world can speak and you can kind of get things across, but it makes sense that there was no like English, like, you know, middle ground. So you guys were learning Spanish. So that's the route that you went. And thank goodness for Google Translate too.
0: Right. Thank Thank you, Google Translate. But that's what I also wanted to say is we're very privileged to be from an English speaking country. We are. Because yeah, even yeah. when I was speaking to people from Europe, you know, their home languages might be German or Dutch. And so to be able to speak with each other, speak to each other in English, That's a privilege, but I thought about how with us, we didn't have to just be bilingual. Yeah. We don't have to be bilingual here. So that was also a perspective for me and made me really think about the future. Like I would love to have my kids go to bilingual school, but again, privilege, right? So yeah.
1: Yeah. No, it it really is. Like I went to mainland China and had a similar experience. Like there was no There was no way to communicate whether unless it was like Google Translate or our tour guide. Like we were lucky we did have a tour guide who could speak English. But besides that, like it was definitely something we had to like get used to. And then privilege, like my daughter. So my husband is Taiwanese. Um, oh Yeah, he's Taiwanese. So I have a vested interest in like learning about that culture and visiting there and having my daughter speak Mandarin, my mother-in-law speaks Mandarin and English. So we just started her, she speaks very well. So I'm like, okay, like, let's start the bilingual lessons. And Mm -hmm. it's like, so difficult (laughs) for me to learn it. But I'm like, this is good. Like, we'll learn this together. And we'll have more opportunities to practice because that's, that's, the problem too. Like you can learn it, but if you don't have people like to communicate it with, it, I think it's hard right. to, it takes longer. Like it's, Definitely. it sounds like your experience of being like
0: totally immersed was really helpful. So
1: I don't know, maybe we'll have to consider doing something like that. Just being completely immersed.
0: Yeah. I think that's honestly, the I mean, I think that's what it takes because I have the same fear too. It's so easy to lose a language. Even when I was out there, for example, Monday through Friday, I'd be in, be in Spanish classes. I'd be in Antigua speaking. And everything. And then I went just one week into the lake and I was at a spot with my friend. It was a hotel, but most people were speaking English because they came from the Netherlands. They were, they were also traveling. So I noticed when I came back on Monday, I already forgot some of the verbs that I learned. I almost forgot how to speak Spanish for a second. So it is really easy to lose the language if you're not practicing it. And then another thing I did want to say is I've been able to talk to a lot of moms who are also doing the same thing. They want to have their children be bilingual. And for example, I'm treating a child, his mom is Mexican, but she was born here. Her parents immigrated. So she grew up bilingual, but she, I can tell that she says she forgot some Spanish too. And so a lot of it sometimes is learning with the child. And I I think that's really cool too. I think that's also a great way to connect with your children.
1: Yeah, definitely. Like I was kind of trying to pawn it off on my husband Just being, like, from our background, I can see where, like, I also want to learn, too. Like, at first, I was like, you do it. I'm going to see clients. And then, like, (laughs) that session did not go well. I'm like, all right, I'll sit in it. And now, like, he's like, you work for too hard because after that, after the session's over, we're like practicing all night long,
0: but it's okay. just it okay. with the territory. So yeah, it does. It does. And I think that you have like a special, like a, a special gift with that or a special role with that since you do have that experience like teaching. So yeah. I don't know, maybe that's also why your husband was like, can't you do this?
1: And yeah. <laughs> we're all going to do it together. We're we're all going to learn. And I think it's yeah. good. Yeah. I think it's good. So how, what number are we at? Did we get up okay, to
0: eight? So No, we're not up to eight yet. So the other thing I want to say, on a tangent, I know, but that, that was fun. Three things, three more things. So noticing differences in communication styles and values. I think, you know, we talk about contrastive analysis when it comes to doing standardized testing or informal testing, putting our languages together and seeing how they're the same, how they're the difference, what's influenced by it. And so I think that we can do the same when it comes to relationships too, so understanding where the differences come from and then finding a middle ground on that and how we could merge together. So again, just going back to getting more knowledge and understanding. One thing I'll say is risk making mistakes. That's the seventh one. We are scared of embarrassing ourselves. We're scared of trying new things. It takes a lot. It takes like a big decision to do that. Just going back to the being conscious about it. So stepping out of our com- our comfort zones We're also in a big cancel culture right now where we really don't want to offend anyone, just like worrying about being politically correct. And so that kind of makes you afraid to even step out and ask certain questions. But again, you know, this is just like when you can check our own biases. I think by doing that, you can understand your intentions behind asking and just feeling more comfortable that way. I've noticed that has really helped me because... Here in America, when people immigrate from America, I think that the general culture is especially just how Americans can look at immigrants. And so asking a parent the question, de donde Ernest, where are you from? But not in a case interview, but we were just on a one-on-one session and it was really in my way of wanting to ask her so I can make sure I'm using the right words.
1: Let's talk about a hot topic for a minute. Job satisfaction. SLPs don't want another pizza party, more unrelated responsibilities, or boring in-service trainings. Am I right? SLPs want competitive pay, nationwide caseload caps, stipends for CEUs and materials, and other reasons. Personally, I also craved creative freedom and flexibility. That's why I finally took the leap into entrepreneurship last year. It's not for everyone, but if you want to start a creative side hustle or private practice, grow a side hustle or private practice, or just gain more freedom and flexibility, then you don't want to miss this upcoming event. SLP Creative Con is for entrepreneurs and creators in the field of speech language pathology. Attendees will get to learn about social media marketing, branding, private practice, financial planning, time management and the most important things to do when you're starting a business. The all-day live event starts March 18th, 2023. You have the chance to listen to the audio recordings for free starting March 22nd, or you can register and grab the conference playbook with a business planner, social media audit, podcast planner, and more. Hang with us during the live panel discussions four days earlier. Watch the video playbacks on your own time starting March 22nd. Participate in group discussions with other attendees and win prizes from our amazing sponsors. Or earn up to 0.7 ASHA CEUs, live or recorded, and a certificate. All by registering for the SLP Creative Con ticket or SLP Connect membership. Message Speechy Side Up on Instagram for the link or click on the link in this episode description. You can always wonder how SLP entrepreneurs manage social media, finances, time management, branding, copywriting, and just getting started. Or you can learn and get your questions answered from these SLP business experts at SLP Creative Con.
0: Like different countries have different words for certain things. So she kind of took a step back and then she was like, oh, Mexicana. She told me, but I think it was because it's easy to feel like you're being othered in this country. That's kind of how I look at it. Because even myself, I was nervous to ask her because I didn't want her to feel uncomfortable with that question. So that was my verse though, you know, because she could have gotten offended. She could have been like, why are you asking that? But in that moment, that's when I would have to be just affirmed with myself, have courage and say, hey, you know, I just want to know because I know that you all have different languages across country. So yes. And then the last one is learning to be an ally That is, I think by using one through seven of the ways to build relationships, you will naturally learn how to be an ally. But other things that come with it is advocacy, knowing how to advocate authentically with yourself. You know, it is beyond social media posts and hashtags. I think that allyship is continuing to learn about other people's cultures and challenges so we can better educate people about it stick up for them when they need it and just help continue the flow of changing perspectives. I think that that would create more harmony in our field and really in this world. That's great suggestions. I'm grateful that
1: you expanded on the allyship one because I think that's definitely something that I want to be better at beyond like social media posts. So like I said, I have a vested interest in my husband's culture, but I would love to do it more across the board, especially... With the podcast like this, where I'm speaking yeah. to so many different types of speech language pathologists, even all around the world, so definitely want to do a better job. Actually, my word, one of my words of the year I chose was equity, but I want to like even go beyond that more into justice. Mm, um, I like that. These are things that like I like don't know a lot about haven't really you know so it's just like learning yeah. more about it and learning like to do that work so that is what i'm focusing on one of the things i'm focusing on this year so i appreciate you sharing all of these awesome tips because it's a really great place for me personally to start and hopefully other people who are listening too
0: yes no and and really we all can yeah. i'll say with myself you know i've i've been a good advocate of black lives matter And a good advocate of even disparities within the Hispanic community here, but I could always do better. And so I'll say with the, you know, the stop Agent hate hashtag just started popping up again because Mm -hmm. we know what happened in California and, you know, it just did not feel like enough to repost something. Mm -hmm. It just didn't feel like enough. And I think that that's not what the community needs. Because in my opinion, if I'm reposting something, that means I care about something But there are people behind the cause or there are people being affected by why the cause needs to happen in the first place. And so even working with so many Asian-Americans and I wanted to know where they came from, you know, just just why why are we having these crimes against Asian people? Like, where is it coming from? Because I could know from my community where it comes from. But again, the culture, the history is different. So I just started doing more research on it. Even by understanding, and this is when we talk about cultural compatibility, I feel from my experience, when you have more understanding, you feel more confident in moving towards justice. Like you just feel more confident in moving forward and learning more. It's almost like fuel to it. So yeah, you know, Vanilla, you have an amazing platform. So I even appreciate you, you know, even the reposts, like these, these are still important, especially If you have a platform, you have an Instagram account, you know, the listeners, you have an Instagram account, use it. You know, someone needs to see it. So, a post, I'm not, I don't want to undermine the fact that social media posts, they're still powerful. They're very powerful. At the same time, we can always do more, we can always learn more. Definitely. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that.
1: So, let's talk about how you're applying these principles personally in your practice and while traveling.
0: Ooh, so I talked a lot about the traveling part, even just getting to know my teachers more. I stayed with a host family. So that was the true immersive experience for yeah. me. And so I'll just say, for example, making the conscious effort. I noticed with myself and other Americans who came there and, you know, some of them, they were actually older Americans. And I think, you know, when you... have I'll say I think that when you are uh, a certain like generation, like especially baby boomers, I've noticed that change, it takes a lot to deal with change. I've I've just noticed that with the ones who I who I grow up with. But with that said, that means that they weren't very open to speaking Spanish at first when they got there. Really? It, and that's why they were there, right? And that's why they were there. And that's why they were there. So it was easy to just switch back to English and so you don't know, or you know, you can't blame them because that takes courage. It takes risk, risking making a mistake. So I'll say when I first got there, I really felt how a lot of the Hispanic parents I'm working with feel because if they don't speak English, if they're not strong in, in English, there's that language barrier, but you have so much to say. So right now I'm speaking in English and I'm just flowing, I'm going. But if I were to have the same conversation in Spanish, I would have to choose certain words that I felt more confident saying, which is a skill that in and of itself is a skill, but that doesn't mean it's not frustrating <laughs> to have to do that, you know? So I, I will say that that's kind of how all of those values tie into it. Another one is really just when I'm doing the one-on-word one work with the kids and especially working with the families, just understanding, listening to what they're saying, I had a mother yesterday say, well, the reason why she couldn't do the carryover activity is because they're stressed because they're waiting for DACA papers for her husband. So that's an experience that I don't have to go through, you know, and so, okay, you know, there's no pressure to do the carryover homework. This is what you can do on a day to day, you know, when you're doing bath time or something, this is what you can do. And also, is there any way I can support you or are there, you know, that's what I went back to my office. And thought about resources I can give her to help her through this.
1: Yeah, yeah. You, you never know like what's going on in their personal life unless they share that with you, and how much that can impact like their lives. Let alone like just doing yeah. homework
0: with their child. You know. Yeah, yeah. There are some things more important, and I think that she felt open, and another parents felt open to tell me these things because I opened up this space. So I think by following these steps, this will help us better. Just give them the space to express these concerns and to feel comfortable expressing the concerns because sadly the healthcare system can be very just can't be very kind to multicultural yeah. groups unfortunately yeah
1: and remind me what setting are you working in did you just say outpatient mm-hmm. yep i'm an outpatient okay yeah makes sense so i know that faith is really important to you what does it look like in our profession outside of the traditional religious sense, though?
0: Yes. So faith, this came from the Kwanzaa principle, Imani. And so I was doing a Kwanzaa series, and I really wanted to see how everything applied to speech pathology. And so with faith, it goes beyond just religion. It's also really just about having confidence. So when you think about the Kwanzaa definition of Imani, it's to... And I'm sorry, I, I want to sit here and look at the Oxford definition for you all too. But Kwanzaa for Imani, that means to believe with all of our hearts, in our people, in the righteousness and victory of our struggle. Then the Oxford dictionary definition says it's a complete trust or confidence in someone or something. So in those terms in our profession, we can have faith that our efforts are making a difference. We can have faith that we can work together to improve the relationships with the parents and the patients that we're working with. We can have faith that the patient's family will see their progress. We could have faith that we have impact, that what we're doing isn't not impacting anybody and that we have skill and that we are competent and that we have learned. Faith for the graduate students, faith that you'll pass the practice exam. Just having confidence and believing that that will happen. So that's, a great way to practice faith. And the reason why, to me, it was special to even bring it up is because there were people who reached out, especially from the LGBTQ community. And in religion, they get discriminated against really, really bad, just for lack of better terms. So a lot of people turn away from faith. I also noticed even while traveling, talking to people, they turn away from faith because of the church experience. But I think it goes beyond the church experience. And just to think of it as having confidence and believing that something is true and can happen, that's faith.
1: I love that. It reminds me, like in the area of AAC, of the term presume competence. Mm-hmm. And I always say presume potential. Like I i mean, some people are will argue that we shouldn't presume competence because then like we're not recommending the appropriate device for that client at that time and what their needs exactly. are. I like presuming potential because if you were to get a child, let's say a wheelchair, you're not going to get them a wheelchair that they fit in right now. You're going to get them one that they can grow into what they exactly. have to, able to grow into. But I like this idea of faith. I feel like you could interchange those just like having faith that they will grow into this device. So Exactly. I could exactly. definitely see that being applied to different areas of our field for sure.
0: Yes, and and even our lives, you know, because a lot of times, we, just like how we carry our work home, we carry our home to work, and so I think that by understanding that, it could just it could just help us move to the world a lot easier, especially just right now. Times are really hard for a lot of people, and so it's hard it's hard to lose sight of that things really can be better. It just takes some mind work, mind shifting.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like this was really helpful when you made that leap of faith to go to your new job, to go to another country for three months to take this
0: new job, right? Yeah. It was one of those things where at the time I got the opportunity, I was comfortable in Houston. But by the time it was time for me to move, everything aligned and it was time for me to go anyway. So yeah. that that was the blessing. That was seriously the blessing in that it took a lot of faith to go to Guatemala and yeah. learn spanish almost all day have faith that i'm safe you know there's times that i was walking home like even by myself and so just having faith that that i'm safe you know i'm here for a reason and i trust that i did everything i can to stay safe so just certain certain things like that yes it's it's very powerful it's very powerful
1: yeah and i think i'm i'm so glad that you brought up the fact that like this is a really tough time for people we had ebony on from SLP Business Suite last week. And she was basically talking about having faith in leaving a district employee position to like go and do your own thing and secure school contracts. We have Jenna from the independent clinician talking about like running private practice. I just went into private practice myself. I left the financial security of being employed. So it definitely applies right now when SLPs are advocating for themselves when they're not in good positions but it can apply to many things like you've already mentioned too.
0: Yeah. And I do want to ask, so how how did you come to that faith? Like seriously, how did you have the faith to leave your financial security to start and do your own thing? Because I'm looking at you right now, Vanita, and you look so relaxed. I saw on Instagram you were with your daughter this morning. I'm like, she is living the life. So well, again, I was, yeah. yeah. And I do have a business coach,
1: so I'm not making this decision alone or lightly. This was something that from last May that I really wanted to do. I wasn't I was feeling like stuck and not happy with my situation. And it was really interesting because what I thought I was going to get out of that coaching was completely different. So we were just talking about like all of the things that have been on my mind, like what has been on your mind or bothering you. And one of the things is I had gotten certified in doing caregiver and me classes, but I was like, this does not align at all with my Mm -hmm. current life situation. So Mm -hmm. we're just gonna keep putting that on the back burner, even though I had paid for this certification. And she was like, you don't have to like do an eight class series, just do one and see how you like it. You don't even have to charge for it. Like do it with your mom friends and see how you like it. And parents, you know, other parents, so I was like, okay, like I'll try it. And I loved it. So then I started doing that in my community and was able to supplement my income. And I was able to gradually, my clients kept graduating from my my job that I had. So it was like, okay, I'm not taking on anymore. I'm not taking on anymore. So it was like such a nice transition. By the time I like graduated my last client, I was already supplementing my income. And so I could like take that leap of faith and go. So I, I think a lot of SLPs like having, backup options, that was the route that I take. I know some people have more faith and can just like take the leap and run with it.
0: And I totally applaud them for that. <laughs> but that was not my case at all. Yeah. That definitely also takes just like being authentic with where you are. To, yeah. Just when I think about it, because just for that example, from your example, I could have just taken the leap and just have done it. Even when we're talking about Guatemala, I could have just with that all, but I was in a school contract so that that would have been almost like ripping the band off too soon yeah. and so I'm thankful for me that I didn't do that at that time because it was a smoother transition out I got to make it to the rest of the school year you know I got to make some friends and I got I had time to set up everything here in Tulsa that I needed so yeah just just piggybacking off of what you said
1: yeah, it's hard because you develop relationships with these clients, you develop relationships with your colleagues and it's usually not them. It's just the circumstances that our field is like putting us in a lot of the times in a lot of cases nowadays. So yeah, I mean, yeah. this faith is going to be really important in the upcoming years where SLPs are having to like advocate for themselves. Jenna talked about this like vacuum effect, like as more SLPs mm-hmm. are leaving their positions and are going more private, it's putting more pressure on the SLPs oh, that decide yeah. to stay, you know? So yeah. wow, it's not a great situation, but we need to like as a whole support each other in
0: advocating for our field a little bit better. So. I agree. I think I think that that's what it's really going to take It's all of us just collecting as a whole to advocate. It's yeah. Because that's just what it's going to have to take for the things to change. Yeah. We are, it's really just seems like we're all burnt out. And I've looked in almost every work setting that I've been in so far and everyone looks stressed and burnt out, but the perks of it is, oh, well, we're all very supportive of each other within the office, right? You know, we're all very supportive. We have a strong support system. Yes. And at the same time, it really does take us to lean on the support system to get through it. Or sometimes, you know. We just know that we can and we leave, you know, or, oh, I don't feel I support it. So we leave wherever we are. And I don't think it's because people don't want to be speech pathologists. We went through so much to become speechies. But when you get into it, it's not what you expect. And it's harder on everything like your health. Like I didn't have a voice last week. So, you know, nothing, nothing on the company I'm working for, but just it is the culture of the field right now. In the med system too. That that's just a whole tangent, but yeah, (laughs) we'll do another episode for that one. (laughs) Yeah, we really we really will have to have another episode on that one. But yeah, the losing the voice was alarming. In twenty twenty one, I had COVID and I had the vaccine the vaccinations, and I barely even got colds before that. Mm -hmm. So that was alarming for me too. And that's when I really started making small changes in my life. Okay, good. Yeah, Yeah. takes faith. (laughs) Faith.
1: (laughs) Takes faith. Definitely takes like. Recognizing that and stopping it like before it gets too bad. So I'm glad yeah. that we got to do this today and you got to come on. You shared such valuable information. So, if people are not already following you. Where can they find and
0: connect with you? Well, my website is currently being revamped. So, everyone can always reach out to me at Pediatric Speech Sister. That's on Facebook and on Instagram.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much, Melanie. This has been a pleasure. And I look forward to following along on your journey more. Okay. Thank you, Benita. Thank you again for having me. All right. Until next time. Thank you so much for listening. By the way, have you joined the SSU crew yet? By joining, you get access to the free goods section on our website, plus podcast updates, special event notifications, and therapy inspiration. You can sign up at bit.ly slash join SSU crew, all lowercase, or just find the link in this episode description. Also, don't forget to take a screenshot of this episode so that you can always refer back to it and share it on social media if you really love the topic. Take care and remember to always fill your speechy side cup first before you can pour into others.